You're listening to a DM podcast. Just a quick warning, this podcast series contains discussions about crime, trauma, sexual abuse, drug use and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. I used to rob banks in the 80s and 90s and did 23 years in prison in three different states. It took 30 years to talk about the sexual abuse that happened to me and the spiral into crime, addiction and depression that all occurred as a result. Now, having turned my life around, I talk openly to inspirational people about trauma, survival, transformation and hope. I am Russell Manser and this is The Stick Up. Twelve tribes are a religious group, some would call a cult or a sect, accused of heavy disciplining of children, restricting access to medical care and tearing families apart. An Australian arm of this group has existed for decades and a brand new podcast called Inside the Tribe has revealed the extent of the abuse that has happened in this group. The host of this podcast is here, Tim Elliott from your Sydney Morning Herald. Tim, welcome to The Stick Up. Hey, thanks Russell, thanks for having me. Mate, um, how did you first become interested in this religious group, the 12 tribes? I was working for the Sydney Morning Herald in 2008 and I got a call from a guy out of the blue called Matt Klein, Aussie guy, who just um, who basically just escaped from the 12 tribes. This group he described to me, he said, the names of 12 tribes, have you heard of them? I was like, no. Um, and I'd written a few investigative articles at that stage, and I think that's why he contacted me. And he explained to me this group basically was a, a all-controlling Christian fundamentalist sect that had come out from the States and set up in Australia and had arms all around the world. And he said, I joined a couple of years ago, and it's been a nightmare. It's torn my family apart, and this group needs to be kind of have the spotlight put on it. And his story was just mind-boggling. I'll be honest with you, I, I hadn't even heard of this group and then um, my producer put me onto it and I started listening to a few few of your um, podcasts, man. I was going, wow, you know. And I reckon I could say this, the the prerequisite to join them sort of groups is no different than being in an outlaw bikey gang. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, well, uh, yeah, it is. It's funny, I mean... I guess by that maybe you mean people who are sort of on the fringes at a loose well, end, in between vulnerability, yeah. um, looking for a place to belong, looking for a place to belong. Their life's kind of gone south in some way, or they're just yeah, they're vulnerable, right? Yeah. And people go, oh, they're just morons who join these groups, and they're just stupid people, and they deserve what they get. They just don't understand, and they're being a little bit unrealistic in that. I reckon most people at some point in their lives are having such a shit time. And they're so vulnerable that almost anybody at some stage would be susceptible to these groups. It's funny, I read the Bible about two or three times. I was trying to find out what all the fuss was about when in jail. And I'm thinking to myself, is there something wrong with me? Because I don't get this. I don't get this. And I think at that stage myself, I was very vulnerable. I was looking for a place to belong. I wanted to get off drugs. I on an abuse survivor. I'm trying to find... And I relate to these people... But by the sounds of it, what, what, what I've heard in your podcast, they, they, it damages them even worse. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, the, the couple in particular that are at the center, that are at the center of, this, of our podcast, this really lovely, this really sweet couple called Mark and Rose, and they were just a Sydney couple who were back from overseas in 1996. They came back from overseas, had a couple of kids. They were just cruising around Sydney trying to find their feet, um, 
hadn't found many, picked up on many of their old friends, had been away for a while and just trying to find work. And then they one day they went to a festival, a fair in Newtown, uh, just a community fair. Mm. And they were cruising around. Their two kids were there, young kids, and it was all, you know, dolphins and rainbows. And Mark went for a walk and he was walking around and this woman came up and she had long flowing hair and she was dressed in these sort of long flowing cotton cotton dress and she said to Mark, oh, hey, it looks like you need a home. Wow. And and handed him this pamphlet, which was called a free paper, a free paper, which is what these, what the 12, 12 tribes give out as a kind of um, PR kind of thing. And he was like, you know what, I, I kind of do, you know, I'm at this loose end, my life's not great at the moment, I'm trying to fit in again. And that's how he was just hooked in to begin on, at the beginning and then it all started from there. And the whole process is just basically brainwashing them, isn't it? Yeah, it's it sort of begins with a thing called love bombing usually. So yeah. you've got, um, you know, a, a new recruit or someone who's just kind of interested will turn yeah. up to their compound. They've got a farm out at Picton, really beautiful property yeah. out there. So you'll turn up and there'll be all these people, uh, kind of hippie-ish looking people, playing drums and playing music and eating beautiful foods, usually on a Friday night when they have these beautiful big suppers kind of mm. thing, you know. And um, so as a person who's new to the group, you'll turn up and they'll love bomb you, right? They'll just go, you, hey, man, you're, you're amazing. You know, you, you just look at you. You've, we could really do with someone like you. You're, you look really got your life together and you're a wonderful person and we'd love to be, you know, we'd love to have you in the, in the um, community here. Mm. And then after a while, people, yeah, people kind of, they're susceptible to that. It's massive flattery, really. And a lot of people feel good, makes people feel good. High-level manipulation. It yeah, like it's kind of super coercive, really. Yeah. In your podcast, uh, Inside the Tribe, you refer to them as high control group. Is that just another way of saying cult? Basically, yeah. yeah. It's basically another word of saying cult. They, uh, the way they operate really is they're a particularly – some people have called them a um, – what was the phrase that uh, one, one cult expert told me? A hair, teeth and eyeballs group. So they control you <laughs> – in the, they control everything about you, your yeah. hair, your teeth, rival, everything. You yeah. know? And the way they do it is not straight away when you're first, you know, when you first enter the group and you're first sort of entertaining the idea of, you know, becoming a part of these, part of this lovely community. Mm. It's all beautiful. It's all great food, friendly people. It's not like they throw you in the deep end of their weird theology and their screwed up kind of coercion. It's not like that at all. You know, because people aren't stupid. You're not going to walk into a situation where you're manipulated, you're abused, you know, your kids are taken from you. So what happens is you go there, but slowly they control information really tightly. So they don't allow you to read newspapers or magazines or watch TV or listen to the radio. All the kids are homeschooled. So there's no books or textbooks there that aren't approved by the community. Um, I read that, that they produce their own books. And, yeah, and yeah. So, you know, and people at the beginning are like, oh, yeah. Mark and Rose are like, hey, you know, you've got to make some sacrifices. We want to find find a community that fits with us. This looks really cool. Yeah, we can make a few changes. I get it. You know, so they kind of – but after a while, they it just becomes stricter and stricter. And 
you become isolated from your friends, your old friends, your family members can't, after a while, it's not straight away, but after a while, the guys in the community are like, oh, I don't think it's a good idea that mum visits so regularly. Mm. You know what I mean? And so they're like, oh, okay. So then they say to their mum, oh, look, can you not come this Saturday? You know, like, it's not cool. What was it, the purpose of that? You know, just so you don't, you know, um, it's a really uh, great technique to isolate you from other, other sources of information, okay? So if your mum was to turn up a lot and mm. see what's going on, she'd probably go hey, by the way, these people are a bit weird. Mm. Like, do you realise that you're being sort of manipulated a bit here? Mm. You know, so um, they don't want your old friends turning up and saying, hey, let's go for a surf this weekend, you know. Mm. Let's go and hang out at the pub. They don't want that. They want to keep these people isolated, control the source of information. That's what it's all about. Crazy. We don't often think in Australia as being a place where cults exist. How big was this group here in Australia? It's a small group worldwide. It's only about three, 4,000 people worldwide. But their communities are everywhere. It's really bizarre. They're just in almost every, you know, Argentina, Brazil. Um, they were in New Zealand. They're here. England, France, Germany, Spain. It's really America. Tons of um, communities in America. It's really odd the way they've spread their little tentacles around mm. and flown underneath the radar. They've really managed it really well here. No one, when we were doing this, people like you at the beginning mm. when we were having a chat, you're like, I've never heard of this group. Mm. This is so weird. Um, so they're just really canny like that. They're, they're smart people. Yeah. It's like like I, I, you know, I was blown away by the, 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 I don't know, the structure of this this group, you know what I mean? They've obviously got a, a lot of assets and that sort of thing. What sort of professions are the people that are in there? What sort of yeah. professions are Everything. You'd yeah. be amazed, yeah. From lawyers, chemical engineers, uh, teachers, uh, demolition crews, uh, everything. It's yeah. a, bakers, cooks. Mm. You'd, you'd be amazed. Like... Matt Klein, the guy who, the Aussie guy who I talked to and who got me looking mm. at this group, he uh, he was a chemical engineer. Yeah. You know, he was a smart freaking guy. You know, and he uh, went in there with his wife, and he was kind of swayed by his wife, who he really loved. You know, and she was really taken with it, and he was like, okay, like I'll give this a go. You know, so other people, classic story. Um, one of the, <laughs> this is a really, this shows you the pulling power of this group. In America, there was a lawsuit brought against the against the twelve tribes in the mid to late eighties, I think it was, and they the tribes employed and it was a, a sexual abuse or child abuse case of violence against a kid by one of the elders in the group. So the group hired a lawyer, um, really well known um, social justice lawyer in in America at that stage. And um, the lawyer came on board and talked to the elder and, and how are they going to prepare their defence and stuff. Within about six months, she was part of the group and she joined the group. <laughs> so they got a gun for hire. Yeah, Straight they got on. a gun part of the community. And she was like, there's a classic clip in the podcast of her saying, hey, you know, I liked it so much I joined. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying a car. Yeah. Hey, um, 
Now, you just touched on something there, the, the child abuse that took yeah. place. There, there's some really serious physical uh, yeah. abuse that took um, – what was, what was the – Okay, this is really weird, and it, but, it, but it, it kind of explains the thinking of the group. Like one of the major parts of their beliefs, their theology, is that they are raising – they are raising a pure, pure-bred army of 144,000 boy child, boy mm. children, mm. and they're meant to be pure of um, sin, uh, so they can more effectively fight the devil when it comes to Armageddon. Right. So, this is what their mm. this is their mission, one of their central missions in, in life. So, to raise these children um, to be this hardcore army of totally pure um, angelic uh, boys they just they discipline them like like they beat the sin out of them so the whole idea is that if you don't uh, reply to if you don't answer to your uh, to your parents or in fact any adult in the community can tell you something to do if you don't do it you get beaten if you don't eat all the food you get beaten if you don't put on the clothes you're told to in the morning you get beaten so it's really they're raising. Uh, that's their central mission. So that's why the child discipline. There's a good reason, as far as they are concerned. That's why they they won't get stuck in the kids because they're trying to make them sin pure of all sin. I've done a lot of studying on um, a place called Tamworth Endeavour House Tamworth Boys Home, where they did the same with these juvenile delinquents. Mm. That turned them and 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 that turned them into psychopaths. Yeah, and 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 in some cases serial killers. Yeah. That's the damage that sort of thing can oh, do to young boys. Horrific. Horrific. Yeah. And you know what? Another really sad thing that something that really struck me in one of the powerful most powerful parts of the podcast I, I reckon is the way it um, severs the bond between child and parent. Yeah. You know, that, that really important Disassociation, that yeah. crucial bond you've got, which yeah. is the most important love bond you'll ever have in your life, really, mm. between you and your mother and father. Mm. And it really gets in between that and, and because it the parents become so brutal with their kids. And it was the parents that were perpetrating the violence. Yeah, the parents are like, yeah. And it's another interesting thing is after a while, the first crack that sort of appears for people when they start thinking, this is crazy, I've got to get out, is usually, what am I doing to my kids? Hmm. This is mental. This is insane. You know, I can't and, do this too much. But who, who sort of made these rules? It was the founding member of the, yeah. the guy who ended up passing away and they're all worried about the yeah. power struggle. Yeah, yeah. What was his name? Um, Gene Spriggs. Yeah. Um, and his cult name was Yonek. Yeah. When you join, by the way, you're all given a new name, which makes it hard to track people. You know, when family members yeah. come looking for their for their loved ones, it's like, well, what are their, what are their new names now, you know? And, and what I looked at is he had his name on nothing – yeah, yeah, no, he, he, had, he had nothing, no, any of the businesses registered or anything no. like that. He, what was yeah. the purpose of that? Oh, to avoid, I guess, to avoid responsibility and accountability, so he couldn't be tracked and held held accountable. Now you stuff. talk about a woman in the podcast, Martha. Was he? Was she Jean Spriggs? Was she? Yeah, Marsha. Yeah. yeah, she. Um, she. She was Jean Spriggs. She. She was and is, I guess, Jean Spriggs' uh, partner, wife. Mm. Um, so she was really important in the group and still is important in the group. She was the one who came up with all the clothes rules, the 
wearing the kooky, super modest clothes, women in, um, you know, top-to-toe gowns, head coverings, all the men with beards and long hair. She's particularly uh, all the food rules, all that sort of stuff. They're very strict food rules. Um, she's been very important um, in in managing the group uh, for decades now. And they and were, she's still alive? Yeah, she's still alive, yeah. Still we tried to reach her. We tried to reach all these people and they just don't want to bar her. Mm. You send them letters. Uh, you know, it's really important as a journalist. You've got to give the other side the right to reply. So we... We really wanted to get them to sit down and explain, and they never, never got back to us. Mate, in your investigations with these kids that suffered the abuse, what did you, what did you find? Uh, they were extremely traumatised. Mm. You know, you can't get beaten um, regularly by your parent or carer um, and not um, have it affect your psyche deeply. You know, that, like I was saying, that bond between um, child and parent. Uh, and I think a lot of them are really damaged. I, I spoke to one boy who, d- who didn't want to take part. He's like, I don't want a bar of it. And he was, but he, and he was severely traumatised. He was a messed up kid trying to get his life together, didn't trust anybody, lost contact with his parents, thought his parents were garbage. That was one way he described them to me. They're human garbage for what they did to me. Um, the parents are devastated with what, hap- what, what they did to their own children. They can't forgive themselves. Um, yeah, it leaves really deep wounds. Was it were any of the beatings ever perpetrated by anyone outside of the family? Yeah, oh yeah, any adult in the community has the right to do it, and they do it with a long stick. By the way, I should I should point out like a cane or a cane? Yeah, yeah, it's like a cane. One kid was beaten so severely um, that he became he developed a mental illness, and he went on to. Um, commit murder so uh of those around uh, Mm. people particularly close to him i can't say a whole lot more Mm. than that um and he made it out revenge um in a big way um so it's yes it's pretty it's pretty horrific yeah well like i do a lot of work in my organization with the voice of survivor with abuse victims and and i see that damage and from that from that physical abuse. I was listening to your podcast and I was going, this can't be real. You know yeah. what I mean? It can't be well, real. Well, it can't, yeah, it's weird. It's happening right here on the edge of Sydney and there's seemingly nothing you can do. You know, it's just, it's bizarre. And Picton's so accessible. Yeah, it's just, it's right there. They yeah. got all this. My family's living there, I'd be quite honest. Yeah. We're trying to get the cops to look into it. They keep on, you know, they, one of the most uh, alarming aspects of our podcast is that. The health of the people in this group is is pretty bad. And even though they own these beautiful cafes, you know, they're called the Yellow Delis and Common Ground Cafes all around the world in Katoomba as well. Is it like a franchise type? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's a worldwide franchise. And the food there is beautiful. The food in the – you know, people go in and people I've spoken to about the pod, they're like, oh, yeah, I I know the Common Ground. The Mm. food's amazing. But within the cold, within the group, the food's crap. You know, yeah. they feed them all the uh, all the leftovers, all the throwouts. You know, all that sort of crap because they want to they want to keep the really beautiful food as a kind of like a the front of house offering. That's the Disney offering. Give all the give all the potential, all the public, the really nice stuff. Mm. Meanwhile, all give them the honey, yeah. Shit. And and one aspect of that is that their health can be really poor. Now. And one aspect of this poor health is the propensity of the women to um, have stillbirths. 
Wow. And we looked at... I looked at that and there's a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, we looked around the world at all the communities and there's a really large number of stillbirths. Um, Is that prevalent. from malnutrition or... Yeah, it's malnutrition. Yeah. Yeah, so they then discovered that the police in New South Wales, that they've been burying stillborn babies in the bushland on their property. Unregistered? Yeah. So they give birth to a dead baby and they go, oh, okay, we're not going to register. We just go up to the hills and dig a hole and put That's it in. That's illegal. Yeah. So the cops are looking into it now. They've been digging up stuff on their properties for a while now. The last time I called the cops, they're like, oh, we can't comment. It's still under investigation. It's an ongoing thing. Why ain't the coercive control laws being applied to these, these people? Well, they're trying to uh, – there's, there's a movement now, you know, that we're trying to get behind to have uh, coercive control by groups such as cults and mm. religious groups uh, included in the bill that's being, being brought up. Um, and, and I um, – you know, it really pisses me off. You know, we have people doing this podcast and in the past when I've been writing about this group – People are always like, oh, you know, um, these people are so stupid, you know. They, they, why don't they just leave, you know? Why don't they just walk out the door, you know? And is that, um, the, is that the approach the authorities take towards it? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I reckon yeah. cops and other people just go, oh, well, you know, they joined of their own free will, you know, like, who really cares? We get on to other stuff. And it's a bit like, and I kind of go, oh, hold on, wait a minute. So it's exactly the same. It's coercive control acceptance done by a group instead of one, say, a, a violent man or a partner to a woman. So if you were talking to a, a beaten wife, battered woman, mm. some woman who's been um, subject to domestic violence mm. from a man, you wouldn't go to that woman, oh, it's your fault, you know, you married this guy, you chose to be with this guy, you're, you're stupid, you should just walk out. Why don't you mm. just walk out? You know, it's like it's more complex than that. That's what the police have a gen- uh, generally do with those sort of women is, well, well you've got a choice. You, you're yeah. choosing to stay there. Yeah. Instead right. of going and arresting him and going, mate, you've just battered this woman to a pulp. Yeah. The blame's going back onto her yeah. for not leaving. Yeah. My wife's a family lawyer and she's just always blown away by the cop's approach. It's mm. like a family matter. You're staying with him. Well, it's between you and him. It's like it's much psychologically much more complex than that. You know, you've got to... Don't put all the blame on the people who are part of this group. Hmm. I can tell you with my own case, I, I got sent to an adult jail as a 16-year-old, oh. right? And they housed me with the worst pedophiles and degenerates in the country at the time. You know, it's child, safety, child safety should have said, you ain't putting him there. No. They just stood back and let it happen. And as a result, got sexually abused. Mm. That's, that's that approach. Oh, if you don't break the law, mm. you'll be right. Horrific. That's crazy. The, the similarities in, in the prerequisite to join these groups are very similar to the bikies and the rules and standards and procedures in these groups are very similar to bikie groups. But yet they throw the whole book of the law at the bikies and not at these people. Maybe it's also because it's um, they're part of a religious group and it's kind of, oh, you know, freedom religion, we shouldn't be telling people who believe in certain things to stop it or cracking down on them. Maybe that's a part of it. Another part of it is wage theft. like. Yeah. That's something that they are trying to get this group on because in in the twelve tribes, your members work long days. Like you can be uh, working twelve to fifteen hours days in say one of their bakeries, right, yeah. or in one of their restaurants, or in a demolition. And are they given an income? Are they given no, no, a no. You don't get a cent. So they work. Their their um, commercial businesses are huge. They got mm. demolition crews, painting crews, bakeries, rest, all sorts of stuff. But none of the members who work for these organisations, for, for these businesses, get paid a cent, right? I think you, 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 
you, you touched on that. They're an organisation. They're a money-making organisation. Yeah, they make heaps of money. Yeah. Mm. Thing is that if you go, like, we're trying to organise um, people to stand up now and go, hey, I want my money back. I want to be... I want to be paid for the money that you took from me when I was under duress, you know, when I was essentially being coerced. I did mm. a lot of free labor for you. I want that money now. So really it's, it depends though on someone standing up uh, and, and, and making a case, right? And the thing is we've found a lot of these people, they get out, they're exhausted, they're trying to find their feet, they're really disturbed, all the furniture in their head's been messed up. They're like they're just trying to get their act together, trying to rebuild their lives, and often they're just like, I don't want to, I don't want to even think about it anymore. I just want to move on. So to get someone I who's get up for that fight, I totally get it. I get it. I totally get it. And so to get someone who's up for that long, complex fight against this group, it's really hard. And because they have their own money tucked away in trusts and stuff. Yeah, like it's that. all in trusts. Yeah, discretionary yeah. trusts. And that's offshore. Where yeah, that's where they got their money in discretionary trust. That'd be yeah. hard because I know from a legal point of view what angle you'd take because I'm involved in that type of work. And then getting a lawyer who can who's willing to go there. So is it true there's organisations now that help cult members called deprogrammers? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they've got them. They've got them here too. We, I, yeah, I spoke to a deprogrammer. In in fact, I spoke to a guy for, called Raphael Aron. He's in the podcast as well. Fascinating guy. He's yeah. down in Melbourne. They do, a, with ter- they do it with yeah, terrorists. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Yeah, it's exactly so. They they start slowly. They 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 don't, they don't go in all guns blazing and try and pull these people out. Like they they, they actually that was what they, they did in the sixties with cults. There was a guy called Ted Patrick, um, Black Lightning. He was called this black guy in the states. Mm. He'd rush in, grab cult members, and pull them out. You don't do that these days. It's all you use logic and reason to get through to people who've been for brainwash for want of a better word and you oh, there's try- no other way to describe yeah it. yeah so you know you might go do you think you're part of a cult you know and they're like no that, that's ridiculous no way this group's great you know mm. and so a deprogrammer might go okay well um do you think there are cults out there groups that are not not great like this and and the person might say oh yeah 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 there's plenty of groups you know like list the family for example oh mm. gee whiz they're really bad or in scientology even oh god my god you know it's just... and then the deep primary might go well if they're out there can you entertain the thought at least that you know what sort of methods do you think the family might use to to convince people to stay and so you get the person thinking get the gears and the cogs you know turning over in the person's mind and eventually if you and also remind them of everything they're missing and seeing their outside or what they've left behind, they kind of go, oh, okay, maybe it is. Maybe I have. Oh, my God, I've been part of a cult. Wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. And there's generations now. You're getting up to generations, aren't you? Like, you know, yeah. generational oh, yeah, cult yeah. members here. People born in there, yeah, yeah. Whole and families then, raised in there, yeah. Yeah, wow, this is so fascinating. Yeah, it's really I, – I think I'm fascinated by the whole psychology of it and stuff. And yeah. It's really interesting. You know, what were you, what were you trying to achieve with uh, this story, with this podcast? Oh, I guess it's, you'd say a whole bunch of stuff. Awareness, just like this group's out there and there are these groups out there that um, that you've got to be careful of, you know. Like it's they're ruining lives, they're splitting up families, they're taking advantage of people. It's we want people to be listeners, to be wary of them and to understand how they how they think, how they operate. And the best way, I think, to do that is to tell a good story. And, you know, the people who talk to us 
as part of this podcast have been so honest and frank and upfront and telling their really moving, powerful stories. So you hear that and you go, oh, my God, you know, just watch out. Be careful. There seems to be becoming more and more vulnerable people in our society. That yeah. these sort of, that's just what I've no, no, noticed of late and whether they join you know, what sort of gangs, different religions or different mm. gangs or, or, or whatever. And um, Well, there's, it's, a, it's a really hard time yeah. uh, in the world. You know, economies are being trashed. There's, there's wars going on. There's un- huge uncertainty. Global, even global warming, you know, like people are like, you just get this constant barrage of really bad news. Mm. So people are like, oh, my God, yeah, it's this depression rates. Are, it's just... I think people look for simple answers to complex problems, and they could. You know, and I think the Armageddon story would appeal to people, make sense to them when yeah. they're selling that sort of the Armageddon thing. They got people are looking around, what's going on in the world? Yeah. And going, mate, there's truth to this. Yeah, we the world is the world's. You know, like these scientists saying, "Hey, guess what? The world's really we're in a existential do or die crisis, environmental crisis. We're mm. gonna get our shit together pretty soon." An old mate comes along and goes, we're going into Armageddon. They go, mate, look, we're putting my hand. I'm, yeah. jump, I'm jumping on your, your yeah, bus. Yeah, uh, yeah. if I'm going to be saved by yeah. believing in this group, yeah, count me in. <laughs> wow, well, that, that does make sense, doesn't it? Just coming back to your, you know, your own back, uh, growing up in a, like, it'd be fair to say you grew up in a bit of dysfunctionality yourself. Yeah, quite a bit of dysfunctionality, With yeah. a bipolar father. Yeah, dad was a complete, um, was seriously mentally ill, and he ended up, uh, we had to get out of the house um, and live in a different house, and then Dad ended up killing himself. So when I was at uni, and I remember around that time um, when I was really like really lost, um, lost my bearings. Um, so you would have been a prime candidate for one of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. So what? Ha- and it was funny because onto campus came a group of really hardcore. What, what uni were you? At? New South Wales. Yeah, oh, at Ramwick here. New South yeah. Wales. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it probably wouldn't happen these days, probably wouldn't be allowed, but this group of really hardcore, you know, fire and brimstone evangelicals came in from America. Big, you know, huge guys, all ex-NFL players, American football players. And they were really, you know, super charismatic and offering a lot of, like I said, simple answers to really complex problems like Mm. depression and a sense of hopelessness and... Uh, offering a sense of belonging. And at that stage, I was like, hey, yeah, man, I want a bit of that. Yeah. You know, so I went to their, you know, and I, I wasn't in the slightest bit religious. Man, my parents were like, religion's bunk. And, you know, they were not at all religious. But at, for that moment, for about six months, I was like, yeah. So I went up to, went to all their meetings, went to um, their lectures and their sort of, um, what would you call it? Their, you know, that hold impromptu um, talking in tongue sessions okay. on campus, you know, yeah. and I was there. I thought, you know, I really did. You ever mastered a talking in tongues? No, no, no. Even did I. I, I do, do. At different times, I have Russell. I've been inebriated not and not managed <laughs> to do it. <laughs> not under the influence of uh, religion, <laughs> yeah. but other influence of others. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was pretty. I can, so I can, I can really see how, man. I've, I, I can see how it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I've never been in a place where someone can. I've, I've never experienced. And healing someone out of a wheelchair, that's... I've been waiting yeah. for that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah. i seen a bloke try to walk across the barbecues once because he was thought it was hot... Co- same thing as hot coals, yeah. and he got third-degree burns on his feet. Cool, yeah. Not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I've been blown away by this. I've been, I'll be honest, I've been on my ride on lawnmower listening to every episode and <laughs> I'm fascinated by this could go the way, like to the length that it's been able to go under the noses of authorities. Yeah, yeah. And they're just showing no interest in it. But I'm just so fascinated. How can people uh, listen to your podcast? It's called Inside the Tribe and it's available wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been an incredible journey uh, making it, and the people in the pod have an incredible story to tell. So yeah, yeah, give it a listen, mate. I I, I thoroughly recommend it. You'll be blown away by you know the the depths that that Tim's managed to go and and, and, and where he's been. It's really really good journalism, Tim. Congratulated for that, mate. Thanks so much. Thanks, Russell. We'll stick the link in the show notes so you can get to the podcast. <laughs>